Listen to Vintage House on Wednesdays at 10 p.m. on WNUR 89.3 FM, WNUR.org, Facebook Live, and VintageHouseShow.com. Welcome to the Vintage House Show. The Vintage House Show celebrates the lives and careers of house music pioneers. The Vintage House Show can be found at VintageHouseShow.com and is powered by the Modern Dance Music Research and Archiving Foundation, the only repository in the United States dedicated solely to preserving and honoring house and dance music genres. Visit us at dancemusicfoundation.us. Hello, for another episode of Chicago's podcast, The Vintage House Show. Good evening. It's your main man, Mega, and I am here with super-duper producer, Lauren Lowry, and you're tuned in to another exciting and intriguing and engaging and any other adjective you want to think of on a Wednesday night uh, episode of The Vintage House Show, The Philosophical Grooves Edition. Uh, We're without our co-host Lori Branch tonight, but she sends her regards to everyone watching, and more importantly, we have two special guests leading up to this weekend's highly anticipated, first of its kind, Chosen Few Virtual Festival. We have with us tonight Kim Parham and... Kim, we, we go back, we go back, we go way back. <laughs> and Leah Franklin Acox. How yeah. are you, Leah? Yeah, I'm present and accounted for. <laughs> present and accounted for. And Kim, how are you? I'm doing great. Good. We're thrilled to have you guys. Look, I, I'm going to apologize now. I've taken these keys. Um, individuals who are deep in the trenches of producing the show away from their production time just so that they could share with you, our audience, um, insights about uh, who they are, right? Because they're clearly important um, players in this uh, event that we all uh, love and will miss being together in person for, but they are working, as they always do, incredibly hard to produce an experience that will not let anyone down. This experience is sure to be memorable and without the physical contact, but with uh, the same spirit that has been the chosen few picnic and festival for over 30 years. So. I know you um, want to hear more from them, but I just want to remind you all that you're listening to Vintage House, which is um, the show produced and powered by the Dance Music Research and Archiving Foundation, and it's the only on-air show and podcast dedicated to illuminating and preserving the lives, music, and careers of house music legends and contributors. We are also the only repository in the United States dedicated solely to the study, preservation, and the celebration of house and dance music. 
We want you to preserve your memories and memorabilia so that the story of house music never dies. So with that, let's get into it with Kim and Leah. They're bringing their bright smiles despite all of the work that's going on in their head um, as we uh, begin this interview. But Kim, why don't we start with you? Tell us a little bit about your roots. Who is Kim Parham? Where are you from, Kim Parham? How far do you want me to go back? <laughs> we usually spend a little bit of time talking about the good old high school days because that's when a lot of this started for us. Yeah, so, um, you know, Chicago born and raised. Um, and really, I grew up with uh, Alan, Wayne, Tony, Jesse, and Andre. Um, Terry and, and Mike Dunn later, um, but my high school years, I grew up with those guys um, going to all of the relevant house music parties, and literally that's how I got introduced to house music. Um, met, I think I met Jesse first, believe it or not, and started going to parties and then met everybody else. And I laughed because I think uh, probably my sophomore and junior year of high school, um, would go to all the local parties in South Commons, like, you know, I don't know, Kevin, if you remember that. Goody Fest, yeah. <laughs> of course I remember. Yeah, parties in the Highlands and basement parties, and then when and we Beverly. started up, getting a little older and going to Sours and all that, I used to, you know, getting parties free because I would just be that girl. They used to hand me the crate records, and I would, <laughs> I would walk in behind everybody else and please give me a crate. I don't have to pay five dollars, <laughs> but, but that's what I did. But anyway, um, yeah. So I grew up with the guys, um, and that's where I think I really um, got introduced to house music and fell in love with house music. Um, you know, I did not go to high school in High Park, um, so I went to high school in Morgan Park, and but and I lived out in Beverly. But I spent all my time um, on the east side of Chicago in Hyde Park and the Highlands going to all these parties. And um, once it was, you know, house music was so um, centralized at that time to in high school to, to a smaller group. And, you know, my friends at my high school didn't know what was going on. I was like, y'all don't know. Y'all just don't know. Um, <laughs> and I was living like a double life. I would go to my regular high school and then on the weekends I was out. Um, but anyway, so yeah, that's how I uh, kind of was introduced uh, to house music um, and, you know, through Jesse, I met Tony and then, of course, Tony's brother Andre and then I met Alan from DJ and, you know, Wayne was always around um, and then that's how, you know, we all became uh, pretty close friends. Okay, I've, I've got one question that I have to ask. Um, There was a party in Beverly. Oh no! With um, someone had a bowling alley in their basement. Was that your place? No. So well, that whose was place my was that? Jackie. Oh. Who lived uh, maybe around the corner, Jackie uh, Palmer, and uh, yeah, she had a full blown 
Like, she had a nice house. <laughs> her basement was ginormous, and she had a two-lane bowling alley uh, in her basement. Uh, I did have a party, uh, and I in uh, Beverly, I had my own party. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, it wasn't in her basement. Okay. My, and I told my mother it was only going to be 50 people. Meanwhile, it was like 250 people, and that was the last party I ever had. Yeah, you probably. I was. Uh, I'm pretty sure I was there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I had to get that question in there. Yeah, and not my bowling alley, but there was a party. I think Jackie did have a party, and uh, yeah, that was that was her house. Okay, because that was that was one of the many memorable ones, and um, <laughs> the Morgan Park crew, I'm sure, appreciates you representing uh, tonight. Many of our faithful viewers are uh, Morgan Park uh, folks, so um, good, good beginnings, and, and um, the fact that the guys um, sort of adopted you and brought you into the crew—that's an important point. We're going to come back to, but first, we want to get perspective from Leah and her early days. High school or earlier, wherever you want to go with that. He's a force. <laughs> well, so my, um, you know, I, I find it so fascinating that Chicago people of middle age and beyond are so still tied to their high schools and the communities that they, the, the bonds that they formed then, because that's not necessarily how the, a lot of other places um, deal with, like, people are incredulous with, about Chicago people caring about what high school you went to um, 40, 30, 50 years after the fact. So I was born in Chicago, but we moved to a little town called Holland, Michigan in the mid-70s when I was just starting school. Um, but being that my parents were born and raised in Chicago and their parents were there and my aunts and uncles were there, um, I spent, I'd say, at least a portion uh, of most of my summers in Chicago, both as a child, mm -hmm. but then really more importantly as an, a teen uh, in the early 80s, where I would hear these whispers from older cousins about uh, this these parties that my, my sister and I um, never could quite get to because we were young teens and we didn't have a car. And um, just a little background about my family, um, one of the re so I have I guess two pods of siblings the, the sibling the brothers I grew up with in Michigan who are my mother and my father who raised me their, their children and then my um, my biological father's children and we kind of all met up in the summertime at our grandparents' house and one of those siblings um, the fabulous Marina Franklin yes I'm totally name dropping my sister because she's a fabulous comedian and you should totally go watch her comedy special absolutely female. Um, and she's also a big house music fan. Um, but anyway, she and I would, um, because our dad was a, an active bachelor <laughs> who was dating a, a, the ladies back in the 80s, we had a lot of free time on our hands. Oh. And so, um, <laughs> we uh, were able to finesse our way. Like, our dad wasn't as strict as our mothers and my, my dad was, my other dad was back in Michigan about where we, you know, our whereabouts. And I think there was a fair amount. It was a different time. Like, I have Absolutely. a 13 year old now, and if she were to come to me and say, Oh, yeah, I want to go to this sketchy area of town to go to this warehouse party, 
Um, yeah, there aren't enough shoes that I, in my closet to throw at her um, in response to that. But it was a different time, and um, somehow we found out my very first house music experience that I can remember all these years later was the hotel, was it Intercontinental? Yes, on Michigan Avenue. Yeah, on Michigan Avenue. I think it was maybe Lil Lewis did a party. Yeah. And I remember, it just felt like I was, like one of those sci-fi movies where like the the spaceship opens and you kind of get sucked in (laughs) to the thing. And that that was my introduction to like my formal introduction to the music beyond hearing my cousins talk about it or hearing, I don't know, was the Hot Mix 5 happening? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so, so yeah, so that was my, my, and and it's so funny because years later, I I was under the false impression that um, as an 80s baby that we were on the vanguard of house music, not realizing that you all um, who are just a little bit older than us but I mean, now that stuff, those age differences matter not at all. But when we were younger, somebody who was two years older than you or five years older than you or seven years older than you, they had a completely different experience because they had access to things that that um, we did not. So, and we didn't know people, like, because we didn't, my sister lived in the South suburbs, I lived in Michigan. We didn't know people at Chicago High School. So we kind of had to like keep our ear to the street street a little bit and i still don't know how we found out about that party that little louis party there was no social media or anything then huh there were street signs that were that was social media that was yeah the the light poles were very much a party directory for us um because we didn't we we weren't necessarily um plugged into high school networks because my my sister was at i think rich east or whatever and they if you think that the kids in beverly didn't know what was going on (laughs) Her, her, I mean, they, it, you know, it caught on much later. Um, so we, we got to, that was our first experience. And um, our father at the time, was, I don't know if he was still living downtown or if we had, he had moved to Lincoln Park by that time. So that gave us another little bit of freedom because, you know, we had, um, we had the ability to go to some of these club, these things like the, the powerhouse, which was in the South Loop. Mm-hmm. And because um, we couldn't get to like, I, yeah, we we were going to try to take a cab to Mendel once, but we, like we don't have enough money to go. That, that was a big cab um, fare, yeah. Mercy and Clark to wherever Mendel was and back. In Pullman, so, right? One hundred eleven. Stay around the the north side and near south stuff, um, and I just I don't know. It just became it. It was something that was just an outgrowth of listening to records in the basement with my father in Michigan. He was big you know jazz funk disco blues um a little orchestral music here and there so hearing that stuff as a kid and then hearing it uh you know at the intercontinental kind of in a different form with a lot of bass was um life-changing for for me as a as a young kid who didn't really fit in anywhere uh, amazing <laughs> stories and, and great sharing thank you for uh setting the stage for clearly how you both um, became immersed in in this lifestyle, this genre. And I think you guys have gone even a, a lot further than most, right? Because it's become an integral part of something you do that, you know, 40, 50,000 people in person 
uh, typically get to experience. And um, this year, I'm sure we'll probably get, you know, twice that in terms of virtual engagement around yeah. it because the accessibility, um, you know, the geography is taken out of the equation. Um, what is it about um, the music? I mean, we've talked about your upbringing, right, and the experience, the opportunity as a teen or adolescent even to sort of get out, maybe be a little rebellious and um, defy the protective uh, covering of, of parents or the, uh, the lack thereof sometimes. What is it about the music itself that has endeared you to, to house versus becoming obsessed with hip hop or R&B or funk? Uh, let's see, for, for me in high school, there was a, um, a certain freedom um, in terms of, of dancing and the experience of those parties um, th that I had never um, experienced before. And so um, in high school, it, it was just unreal. I mean, you know, I would do my hair and spend time on myself and I would lead a party with a fro and I, <laughs> my clothes were wet. And I mean, you know, and you just had the time of your life and you just, were so free and so um, the, the music was just so freeing to me. Um, and it, it, oops, I'm sorry, there's a fireworks thing going on over here. Uh, oh, wow. Oh, yeah, we yeah, can we're hear one it. of those cities that that's happening in. <laughs> it's not happening near you. Real time, July 1st, 2020, fireworks are in effect. Yeah, it starts every night around nine o'clock. Um, so, it's really going over here, you guys. Um, and then it probably, I would say, in my in my later years, and particularly as the, the, the picnic um, emerged, I, you know, one of the things that I always say about house music is um, it is truly um, the music of love and peace. Um, you, if you've ever attended our event, or um, what you all have, uh, but it, everybody is always happy. Sometimes I would say that um, you know, the, the day of 9-11, people were a little nicer to each other than they had ever been in, in their lives, right? Because we all thought we were going to die. <laughs> At the Chosen View yes. Music Picnic and Festival, people come with just such a sense of love and happiness and um, togetherness and, um, and, and, and it's about the music and it's about the community. Um, and I always would say that if, you know, you know, when we talk about the growth of the picnic, I would always say that um, people say, how'd you get so big? And, and I said, well, first of all, it's the music. And second of all, it's the relationships that you um, have and foster. So once you come to a picnic, usually somebody brings one person. And then that person that they bring is like, oh, my God. And then they come back next year with another person. And that person is like, oh, my God. And then they bring two more people. And those people just stay. Um, and so there's a there's a, a house community, but yeah. there's also um, a family community, um, which I think house music really um, embraces. And, and that's one of the reasons why I think in the you know, in the 30 years that we've been doing this, we, we don't really have, we've never had a real incidence of violence because people come 
to um, our music festival to have a wonderful free dance music experience um, that and they leave uh, you know and, and and all of that um, uh, kind of controversy and, and, and violence is, is is not what we do um, and that's one of the reasons why uh, I think um, I have loved you know house music and what it brings to people for so long so two different experiences once freeing when I was young and then just the ability of uh, or just watching um, the love and growth uh, as you know we became a more uh, you know uh, uh, really formed an actual event um, beautiful thing Freeing is absolutely a, a powerful description of of the music and certainly uh, the relationship to the festival. And community being that second um, provocative word uh, around the power of this experience. Leah, can you talk about your relationship to music and uh, how that ties into your your point of view on the festival? Sure. Just to piggyback off, man, Kim, that wine looks good. Sorry, <laughs> it looks so good. A toast. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm sipping my old lady tea over here, um, trying to clear up my throat. But anyway, I'm sorry. When you said free, free, freeing, I, I really that really resonates with me. Both thinking back on me as a kid and um, being from, like I said, this blended family. Um, which is so common now, but was less common then, being someone who felt like I was not from anywhere because I, my roots are in Chicago, but then we moved to Michigan for my dad's job, then we moved to Jersey, which was interesting for mm. me because there it was club music. Yeah. And I was super proud to be <laughs> place that, like, no, 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 y'all, this is how <laughs> And if anyone from Morristown High School is listening or watching, you will, and you were a band geek like me, you remember us listening to house music tapes that I got from Chicago on the back of the band bus, because that's where the black kids in the band, marching band, we sat there and we wanted to rock out to our house music and a little hip hop and whatever. And <laughs> um, so house music was this thing that didn't care that I what high school I, like it, it was a it was it was a way to be in community even with people I didn't know um, even as a as a kid and um, for for my sister Marina and I it was interesting because you know the the music was a big draw but so were all the cute boys of Chicago <laughs> the parties and quite honestly back in the day young ladies were not trying to like make friends with us so the people who did make friends with us were dudes. <laughs> And we wound up, actually, um, I'm married to a person that I wound up meeting at a house club. And, um, a house love story, yes. And our wedding were people who I met. As a matter of fact, if it hadn't been for the edge of the looking glass one night in the early 90s, I never uh, met, um, connected with my husband because it, it turns out that we, from, from hanging out at Cold Park where his his best friend's grandma lived across the street and my grandparents were at 83rd and Vernon. So we went Chad. there as children, but didn't know each other. We went to different parties and whatever, but didn't know each other, but it was house music that brought us together. So of course, guess what we played at our wedding reception and had people do all that. It's the house music. Dance, dance, dance. So I instructed my children very, very clearly about what I want at my memorial service. First, <laughs> I want low version 
of um, Mighty Real, you know, the, the gospel version of, of that's, yeah. that's how I'm bring it in. And then we're just going to turn it into a party, which is, um, I'm sorry, I'm veering a little bit, but I, I, I would be remiss it, to, to not mention this. And this is that, um, unfortunately, today is the second anniversary of my one of my very best friends um, passing, Cynthia Jones, Jackson Jones. And she was one of those people who, when we brought her to the picnic, then it was like, oh, like everybody gets turned out, right? When you come to the picnic, I got turned out my first time. Yeah. And I brought, I brought a few people with me the first time. Then I brought a tent city of people. <laughs> was it my second or time? Maybe that was when we, we knew we, I'm a former Girl Scout and a total nerd. So I knew we were going to have rain that year. So I bought a tent. I was one of the few people who had a tent out there. And that thing almost blew over. But we, you know, a whole bunch of us crammed in that thing. And then after that, Tent City was born. But anyway, since that was since the behind the museum days. Um, yeah. She mm-hmm. had us, you know, she had 50 people out there the next year. And we had a near professional organization with the food, the drinks. And all of those things, and um, and just hundreds of people who would wind up stopping by our tent throughout the day. And she brought those people. You know, we brought her. She brought those people. They brought people. They brought people, and so on and so on and so on. And now here we are, thirty years later. And so I think that um, I really just that's my very long-winded way of echoing what Kim said about both the freedom and the community and. For me, house music, and I, I'm sure I'm not alone in this, has been a lifesaver through some really difficult times. Um, being on the dance floor, I don't, which I don't get to do very much anymore, um, is just, i say, one of the only places I feel really at peace and really free. Um, not necessarily at the Chosen Few picnic, though, because I'm running around like a whirling mm-hmm. dervish. Uh, doing 79 but, different things. But which, this, this you know, brings up a, 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 a great question. But, what What but is it? I out of seeing other people that you do. experience those moments of freedom. Because yeah. as we're running back and forth on the stage or whatever, we're seeing everybody get their life. And it's just, <laughs> I as love hard that. as we get work and how crazy it is, it's just such a beautiful blessing to be in a small part of bringing that kind of joy to other people, especially um, I mean, we're open to all, but I, I love that we have such a love for and celebration of our, our people, of Black people, and that this is a place of Black joy and love because we have so few places where we can be really free and, and just love on one another to the tune of forty or 50,000. You are clearly a big part of this, and we're half an hour through the show Oh my we, God, have, really? <laughs> we have not asked the question, what is your uh, specific role? And we'll start with Leah. I know you wear many hats, I'm sure. But um, as we promoted the show, we talked about having um, two of the key business leaders associated with the Chosen Few Festival on tonight. So tell us, what is the formal business responsibility that you have associated with the festival? I think my formal title is probably Jack of all trades, but no, seriously, I'm the publicist for the chosen few DJs and have had that honor since 2012, I think was my first picnic that I worked for you all. Seven years. Yeah. 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 Because you know, 2011, I had, I brought my six week infant child to the chosen few picnic because that's, that's what a nut of a fan that I am. That's the community that it is. Don't bring a newborn to the chosen (laughs) few picnic. 
FBI, just, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I've been working with the Chosen Few since 2012. And before that, um, I think my first year was maybe in the early 2000s because of my relationship with Alan King, who I met through a now defunct website called The Deep House Page. And I think The Deep House Page is actually one of the catalysts that helped bring this to you know the rest of the world because those of us who had maybe driven by the Chosen Few picnic when it was behind the museum but didn't right. really know what it was or know people that were at the picnic, through the Deep House page, now we had a date, time, and place and an invitation from Alan. So we showed up and then we showed out. <laughs> and then, you know, and then old people like us got on Facebook. And then that that's when, uh, I think that was the year that, that, we, that we had to get on the move, right, Kim? When yeah. But anyway, back to what I do. So I, if, if you've seen The Chosen Few on radio, on television, in newspapers, on podcasts, um, not to toot my own horn, but that's 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 a lot of what I do is to tell the story of The Chosen Few Picnic and say why it's important that we have this gathering and why the economic impact that we have on the city um, and the impact that we have on the music and the culture and um, I work with media to, to get them to tell our story um, like the Chicago Reader just did today shameless plug did a really good job go out and get the reader talking about us and shout out to Leor Galil the um, writer from the reader that gets it because I think that sometimes um the south side stories um, of Chicago, the positive stories, don't um, easily get told by mainstream media. And so it's really important to identify allies who get it and are willing to use their platforms to help you tell your story. And so that's one of my main jobs. Um, the other main job is the social media piece. So um, the Instagram uh, channels, the Facebook, all that good stuff. It's my job to populate that with interesting um, material and content. I also have spun off into customer service and ticketing management. <laughs> um, sometimes I'm the backstage concierge for the various A, B, C, D, Z list folks who uh, <laughs> show up and want to be accommodated in our famous backstage area but really kind of i think like most of the team we, we kind of um we have our length but we all do what we need to do to make sure that people have a good time and that um that we keep going each year and and we appreciate you for that it's certainly the crew at the vintage house show has been uh, a benefactor of your uh not only your concierge uh generosity but certainly from a amplification of the story that is the Chosen Free Festival. Um, you know, we've been privileged to be able to uh, get access to the performers, to the DJs, um, to the backstage venue, to be able to help amplify that story. So we certainly appreciate that. And, um, you know, we look appreciate forward. you all. Thank you. You're one, you're, you get it. You're one of us. Yeah. And you get it. And we don't have to explain it and why this is important. Absolutely. You all tell the stories. And that's just so. Lauren and I, I camped you know, out are doing, so. there, I think, last year. We were there and we published some great interviews of the award winners. And of course, our colleague Lori Branch was uh, on the lineup, 
Last and she year. turned it out. Yeah, as she does. She <laughs> turned it year. out and, early. <laughs> and so we we want to hear about the formal role of one Kim Parham as well, because we know that uh, you play a critical and vital role. Um. So let, let me say this. From the very beginning, when, when we first started, I would say my role was all other. So <laughs> whatever. I'd be like, what do you do? Anything that anybody else doesn't do. It's anything. Mm -hmm. um, and when we first started 30 years ago, you know, I was, you know, Alan and I would go rent tables and I would go get the permit. And, you know, and then Tony's, you know, uh, sister, uh, work for waste management so she would help us with the portable toilets and, you know and then I would get up at four in the morning and sit in in a I wouldn't do that today but I would sit in an empty you know behind the museum kind of staking our spot because on the fourth of July weekend back in the old days they would not issue a permit on the fourth of July weekend mm -hmm. so it was first come first serve so in an effort to secure our spot I would get up at the crack of dawn and sit in the dark in the chair outside. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then Tony would show up in the, and then the portable toilets. And then, I mean, and then Tony hatching and I, we used to go shopping at Sam's club. I used to cook. Um, when the event first started, I used to cook all day. I'd be on the grill. Um, you know, so it was a, uh, because that's when it was, you know, obviously much smaller. We weren't charging and it was more of a, a picnic type of uh, festivity. Uh, as we uh, grew uh, in 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 popularity and in people, um, you know, we realized as a team that you know, just so you know, and I know Kevin, you know this, Leah, and Lauren, you may all know this that you know we used to put this festival on, uh, with, you know, with, with our own money, um, and uh, you know. Uh, we paid because it was a, it was a labor of love, and Absolutely. we were just like, we just got to keep doing it. We were having so much fun, but as it got bigger, you know, I remember one year we had to pay for portable toilets, and I think I had to put like ten thousand dollars on my American Express card, and I was like, I love y'all, I really do. However, um, how are we gonna pay for this? Because I think that was one of the first years that we had gotten a sponsor, and, and it ended up being okay. Uh, but you know, we used to pass the hat. Um, before we started charging, I don't know if you would remember the buckets. So yeah, uh, you know, I would go out. I mean, I'm telling you, I did everything. They bought me one of those hats with the light on it, so I would be, you know, counting singles and paying the sound guy. Like, you know, we need three hundred dollars, and I'm like, wait, as if we short, somebody has to go back out with the bucket and get some more. Um, so it's, to answer your question, early on, it was all other. That's how I would describe my role. Okay. Um, the only thing I did not do was DJ. Uh, <laughs> did not do that, um, but did everything else. Uh, as as we grew and became larger and became a, a you know a, a formal uh, a formal event, um, my, my role uh, became you know kind of managing logistics and also um, managing sponsorship. Um, and you know, any and there is still an all other aspect, like, and even with Lee, like we pitch in where we need to be. So, you know, managing VIP and, um, you know, working with the production company on the setup and the site map and, 
Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, there's a variety of things and, and even the DJs, you know, will branch out and do some of the, you know, all other work as well. But my main role is to kind of manage the, the sponsorship, um, logistics and, uh, some of the VIP, uh, now set up and, and, and work is, is, is related to that. Um, so yeah, everything. <laughs> the reason we have that fly VIP viewing stand is because of Kim. I would say, right? Like that's. Right. And we need we need a double. I'm gonna say it publicly. We need a double one. We need one on both sides <laughs> of the stage. Get some there. symmetry going uh, on the festival grounds there. So to get some symmetry going. Yeah. yeah. Well, yes, and you know, people have. Um, I think you know that's the cool thing about the picnic, right? You can come there with one chair and a cooler or not even a cooler or you could come with the big tent or whatever or you could do you could get sick of that after a while and decide you want to do the vip thing and leave the cooking and the the, the drinks to us and that's been great because more and more people especially as we've had people come in from out of town Mm -hmm. um and they've wanted to do the vip and we've worked with i remember um, a group, and God rest this woman's soul, um, my, uh, what was her name, Tiffany, she brought a group of black real estate professionals from uh, Dallas one year, and just, like, they wanted to, remember when we did the cabanas thing, <laughs> and everybody wanted to have their little cabana thing, but the problem is, once once they saw that uh, VIP viewing stand, Kim, they want to all, everybody wants to be on the viewing stand, not back in the cabanas, so I, I think that I, I just want to add that Kim, I, she cannot overstate her importance um, to what the picnic, is. like there would not be the the picnic without everything that she does. And I don't know that she ever hears this publicly. Um, and I know that the team loves her, but I think it's really important to give her that just due. And she is really the backbone of the event. Um, thank God for Wayne starting with those a few DJs and all that. And thank God for the guys for the music because we need it. We love it. But the picnic, that event is a Kim Harham production. <laughs> and I just I just think that that's important to, to know. And of course, here on the Vintage House Show, we clearly recognize um, the importance as we wanted and felt it important to have your narrative um, shared as we come upon this year's event, both of you. Um, and I, I have a personal, you know, affinity because Kim has uh, always been uh, supportive of my efforts to support the festival, uh, particularly when I was with Ebony and, and Jet. And we... Yeah, I still have my poster, Kevin. All right. Don't let the guys. What poster? Don't let them con you out of that. Um, well, Leah. We'll, we'll, we'll work on something. Okay. We will bring some equilibrium. Um, but yes, there are uh, many stories of, of appreciation and affinity. And I know you, um, this continues to be really a, a labor of love for you all as much as it is um, work and an opportunity. Can you talk about or pick um, from the on-site you know, festival, in-person festival, what one of the most um, enjoyable uh, aspects of of the picnic is. We talked a little about this in the (laughs) pre-show. 
I, I will say this. Uh, I don't get to um, maybe enjoy like the talent um, as much in, in now um, because I'm, you know, working or doing something. And so, you know, I miss a lot. Um, so before we, you know, became as large as we were and, and the picnic was very small and behind the museum, um, even though I was, I did all other, once I did all other and, you know, the music started, I really was in it. And so um, I probably <clears throat> would say that I had, you know, like the time of my like life. I yeah. mean, I just, because I, you know, I wasn't working as much. Um, and, and not saying that I don't, trust me, there are always, and Lee and I, we always have a hug on stage every year when we realize, you know, because, you know, the, the night before, two nights before, three nights before, I'm always like, oh my God, is this going to work? Is this something going to work? Something's going to happen. And it always comes together. Yeah. And so there are, every year there's just like this incredible moment where um, she and I will be in the stage and, and it'll be a performance or a DJ and we'll look out at the crowd and we hug and we say, you know, yeah, I'm tired, I'm sweating, I'm this, I'm that, but look how amazing, um, you know, this event, you know, turns out. They used to tease me in the early years because every year some for some reason I would cry at a picnic. Not, not because something, you know, sometimes it would just be so amazing. I would get on the stage and be like, oh my God, look at everybody. They and they would too, so oh, Kim is crying, you know. <laughs> it's like, it's not a picnic until KP, you know, sheds a little tear. Um, but now every year I try to, you know, take that moment um, and, and make sure that in, in all the running around that, you know, I get on the stage to, to have some of that experience. So if you ask me, like, you know, what's my, what was my favorite time? I would have to say kind of, uh, you know, pre-growth. Like, so in our earlier days, because I was much more in it and not of it. Um, you know, now I, I, I get my special moments, but, you know, it's difficult when you're working a festival, you know, to to be a guest because you, you just don't get that opportunity. Um, so I, I tr always try, you know, to make it. And But uh, at the end of the night, Every year, somebody said, "Did you see something? Oh my God!" And I was like, "When did that happen?" Right. I yeah, <laughs> somebody in a portable toilet. Like I mm -hmm. missed all of that. Yes, <laughs> I was giving somebody directions, or in last year, I was helping somebody in an ambulance. I mean, it's just, you know, it's just, you know, it's because we do all other. Um, so you know, I, I always manage to, to to have a moment every year um, because it's important that that, that I do that, um, but. Uh, if, if you ask me what my fave is, I would have to say that the, the early years were um, probably more fun for me um, just because I didn't have to do any work. It, you know, and when, once I did my work, it was like done. Okay. Yeah. And then everybody was just like, do your own thing. You know, we didn't have, you know, uh, you know, security and, and gates and tickets and, you know, all that. All I had to do was kind of just smile at the police when they came. Okay, we'll turn the music down, you know. <laughs> And then get, get it going. Um, so that would be, you know, that, that that's kind of my experience. Um, Leah, I don't know, you know, what your, what would you say? Oh, gosh. I feel like there are a lot of favorite moments, but I agree with you. For me, um, you know, the, 
it's been my pleasure to, to serve, but it, um, but it has changed the, you know, the picture because we're working, we're working, um, nonstop for multiple days at a time, really, because even though the festival has gone back to, you know, after our two day experiment, we've gone back to one day. Yeah. Um, those of us who are working it are working pretty much around the clock because there's also the, the kickoff parties, the, um, the, the white the night at the White Sox and all that other stuff. So we're always doing that. But I, I will say that there are some favorite musical moments or just moments of just transcendence and joy. And um, I think sometimes I look at some of our divas and when they would when oh. so for instance when Stephanie Mills when her music yeah. Yeah, that was baby good. when they sang uh, that that acapella that just actually KP that was actually one of your moments because I I was able to capture a little bit of video on my phone and there's this moment when they're singing the ah and then somebody's hand goes up in my video and that's you because <laughs> we all nice. were just mesmerized by, <laughs> by by you know Stephanie she's a real you know trooper and she was able to just keep it going and I actually thought they sounded better acapella than with the track so that was no just amazing to me to 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 be able to be to see that and feel that up close and um reference getting sentimental a little bit referencing my friend cynthia again um two years ago um she had just passed but i i had to kind of soldier on and you know put my big girl pants on and work because that's what you know i'm here to do and so the, the day of the festival which was was such an r thing like the fact it was kind of hard to contemplate being at the, the picnic without her and um uh alan played i feel good things for you um by daddy's favorite and what he didn't know at the time and what i didn't and we talked about this later was that that was the like me and sense song that we had jammed to at a previous chosen few party at um Oh gosh, what was that restaurant on Randolph where they used to throw? Was it not Red Kiva, but one of those? Alhambra. You know, the restaurant row. Yeah. Huh? Uh, I, 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 it's on the tip of my tongue. I know exactly what you're talking about. But one of those, those what, yeah. that, at that place, and yeah. when that song was brand new, when that that cut first came out, she and I had we had gone to a chosen few party, and that song was played, and we danced in our five-inch heel boots, which was a terrible idea, but we could not help ourselves because that song was jamming. And so it's a song that's several years old. And so when I heard, um, when, when Alan was bringing it in, it was such a special moment for me personally because I, I knew that my friend's spirit was in the place and that it was going to be a good day despite the, the heavy, heavy, heavy feeling that so many of us loved her we're at the park still because we convinced her her husband to come out and other people came out and i i shared that with alan afterward he's like that's funny because i hadn't pl intended on playing that song it really just chose me and then he played it and and that's also on the social media side it's one of the videos of um because the, there's video of that moment um, where the crowd literally just loses, loses their mind yeah. to that song. Yeah. And it's gone viral a few times, every, like almost every time I post it, because you literally feel the energy and the love and the just soul um, of all 
people all together jamming to this song. And what they don't all know is that that, I feel like that's my friend sent, sent that song for that moment. That was July, 2018. So that's a huge, huge, I mean, even though I was like trying not to bawl my eyes out, it just was a, just such a huge moment to, to see and feel all those people um, jamming to that song. And that was, that was our song. Um, another moment, another diva, and this was actually before I started working in Chosen View Picnic, but when Teresa Griffin, her first year when she came and she got stuck in her shirt, <laughs> but she still sang her face off, <laughs> I was like, okay, let's bow down. You are the queen because she got stuck in that shirt because she was trying to take it off. She was uncomfortable and whatever, but she, and she just never broke concentration and she sang that song. And I just, you know, speaking of that, we've had, gosh, that we've just had so many divas just turn that place out. And it's just been magical. Absolutely. I mean, Evelyn Champagne Champagne King dropping it like it's hot and and being like, I'm happy to be 60. Let me just tell you. And just, just seeing. And still performing. That's uh, I think what what she was saying. Yeah. Crystal Waters. Remember when she came out with her dancers and they, they were sharp, honey. Like we just. CC Peniston looking all fly and sexy. Like it just, you know, Joycelyn, um, her voice was just amazing. Just again, I'm sorry, I I get caught up, but the divas really, they They sent me. Those are some of the really special moments when they they do their thing. You guys have uh, opened up fully uh, to us and and the audience tonight. Um, So thank you for sharing those special those moments special to you and certainly this is part of the magic of of this festival right you talked about community and all of the there is so many of those kinds of moments that happen when this community comes together certainly central to it is the music the performances by the artists but the the song selections of the djs that's another powerful piece and you know these guys uh, many of them have all been on this show and you know they're humble they're mild-mannered but when it comes to the music right they're on 10. can you talk a little bit about um you know how you put together the lineup um and this year being a little bit different um anything you can share with the vintage house audience about what they can expect i mean we've seen the lineup um we know who's uh performing uh other friends of the vintage house show carla prather and byron stingley um you talk a little bit about the djs uh more about what we can expect from them given it's going to be a virtual performance this year Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to say this, um, before I, cause you know, I'm not always privy, I'm, I'm not privy to what they're going to do. They have it in their head. I think they, you know, I think they compete against each other a little bit. I'm saying that because, <laughs> I mean, and there is this, always this thing every year, who is going to close? That's like this coveted position to, you know, the close the event. Um, you know, they, you know, that is like the, the big deal. It's so always, you know, watch. And, 
what's been so crazy over the years is that people will come up to me and be like, my cousin's a DJ and, you know, can you get me, can you, I want to be a guest DJ and I have to do A and R. (laughs) That's not one of my jobs that I do a lot, but I do not do that. And so I have to let them know because, um, you know, it's become to, to be selected as a guest DJ, you know, with the chosen few has become a really big deal. And it, it's gotten to be such a big deal that when somebody asks me, I'm like, oh, God, you really are mistaken. <laughs> because there is absolutely nothing I can do to help you do that. Um, but with all that said, um, you know, there is an energy um, with these guys. I think there's some, you know. They, they all have, you know, heard each other perform. They do mixtapes, they do this. But I always think they bring something special. I think that, you know, maybe none of them know, you know, what they're going to do. Um, but it's 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 pretty phenomenal uh, every year to kind of watch, you know, what rabbit they pull out of a hat because, you know, it, it's, uh, um, you, you can tell that it's, it's been some thought put into it. Um, obviously, you know, it's going to be, it'll be interesting this year because, you know, the crowd also brings the magic sure. out of them, right? You know, and they they uh, relate very heavily, you know, with the energy of the crowd. So doing a virtual event, like this is all new um, and different. So um, it's, it's, you know, we know that, you know, we're in a, a very special time and that people, um are probably going to be doing very small gatherings in their backyards, you know, um, you know, on their patios, um, you know, just maybe in the park as a small group. It's just going to be very different. Um, so, it, you know, I, but I know in their head that they are, will be thinking, you know, that same kind of, you know, energy, like what their focus will be is to make everybody move. Um, so it, it, you know, I, it's 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 a difficult thing i mean this whole virtual thing you know that we're doing now it's very hard to get a full reaction um we know that you know there's going to be you know thousands and thousands of people you know even maybe surpassing pretty we know it'll surpass what we normally have in person yeah and so the guys are gonna have to draw on that you know um just from social media seeing who's on and what they're saying and and i do think they get power from that and they do get Mm -hmm. energy from that Mm -hmm. um but yeah, so I, that's just you know my commentary a little bit about like I don't know what they're gonna do. I do not know. Um, I do know that they are a little competitive, and I will say this to everyone that's listening: I cannot help you if you want to be a guest DJ. <laughs> do not call me. Don't call me. Don't at, don't at me. <laughs> don't inbox her. I don't do that. No. So leave me alone. Su- submit your mixtapes to the Vintage House Show page, and we'll filter them through. Oh, oh, yeah, maybe that's it. Because if, if we see one more email that says, I, you know, I used to DJ back in Walla Walla in 1984, and uh, what do I need to do to be a chosen few DJ? But, man, if you don't get your not seeing David Morales and Rod Trent and Lori Brick, like, these are the, you know, it's a pantheon of talent. And I mean, we're a city that we're blessed to be from a city where we have an embarrassment of riches when it comes to talent, but there's also worldwide talent. I, I, Mike Risk, remember from uh, the Netherlands, remember when he came and turned it out in 2017? Ooh, God. Um, Remember uh, Bobby and Steve, the twins from the UK? Like, there's just so much. And our our friend Stan Zeff, our our, our buddy, comes and regularly turns it out. Yeah. 
But I just to piggyback on what Kim said about the crowd, um, I'm I think that they are really important. They I know that they are, and mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see how the guys draw where they what their energy source is. I think um, we, we're hoping that people are active on, in the comments because I I see when, with um, Alan's Saturday Night Live show. He, his comment section is on and popping. Absolutely. And I think he draws a lot of inspiration and energy from that um, because, well, the last couple of Saturdays, Alan's really been in a particular way ministering to my spirit with, he's just been on fire. And I'm thinking, well, gosh, if this is the warm up to the picnic, what's he going to do at the, <laughs> at the at, on Saturday? So I think um, it'll be different. We'll also be. I think showing some old clips, some classic clips nice. of you know previous picnics. So we all kind of all try to try, try to give ourselves we're, we're all there together because we all need that. I think from the performers on the stage to the folks in the tents to we we all need each other. And I think if, no if that would if there's a message for us to take in this time right now, we all are one and we all need each other and whether we gather in spirit or we gather online or we gather in person, we need each other's good, positive energy to get through all the things that we all have to get through um, in our our individual lives. So um, I think it's going to be quite an experiment. It's kind of hard to know exactly what to expect. I think it's cool, though, that we um, decided to roll with the punches and try this. Um, I think it's also really cool that, you know, we've got Dion Cole as our, our only guest DJ yes you know we I think our seven um, chosen few DJs are more than capable of rocking the, the whole day from 12 a.m. to 12 to, to midnight you know but um, they are always very generous about sharing their stage and I think um, it for to some people Dion might be an unconventional choice but I think he's been doing his part during this pandemic Definitely. to try to bring the music to people try to bring joy try to use music as a salve and a healing balm and anybody who does that and loves disco <laughs> the way he loves is all right with us he, so I think it'll be it'll be fun and I think um, I think our I, our hope is that um, whether you're taking a drive on Lakeshore Drive or you're in your backyard or you're on your front stoop or whatever that we're that we're all there together in spirit and we're you know that that's that's the hope um, yeah and so with um, a few minutes left in the show, where where will we see you and Kim in the uh, in this virtual experience? Because, you know, it, in order to make it complete, right, because you're very uh, visible, as you were saying, working hard when the festival is live and in person, but you can't be in the backdrop just because it's going virtual. Yeah. Well, listen. I'm going to tell you. I don't. Uh, you probably won't see me. I will be there. Um, <laughs> okay. But, you know, I probably won't be on unless we do something crazy quick. Um, but um, you know, you know, we're all trying to stay safe. So you know, of course. Our location with just you know sheltering in place. Leah's going to be with us this year, and and you know, um, you know, we're just trying to, you know, obviously stay safe, but also have a good time. So you know, maybe I'll pop my head into something, but I typically try not to. Um, <laughs> I try to like stay. Like, 
behind the gun. Yeah. Terry Terry Hunter's uh, tuned in. Kevin Westerfield, they're all sending waves. Yeah. Hey, what you doing? Terry said the first the first lady of the chosen few, Kim. Yes. Yes, with your fabulous hair. I think it's weird that we've gone this long without talking about Kim hair, (laughs) which which I don't know how. Always laid. Perfect. Yes. The whole day yeah. and all that sweat and heat. Wow. But you are famous for your hair, Kim. So you're gonna have to show the people. We're gonna have to. Little, We're gonna have to little, see it. A little it's, flash of that beautiful but, hair that stays in place all day. I don't well, know. I'm inside, so, yeah, I'm inside with no humidity, so maybe I could actually have a hairstyle. Just give us a little luxurious talk hair toss. <laughs> I'm gonna walk it off. Thank you. Walk off. Yep. Thank, Thank you for calling that out, Leah. We're gonna have to uh, maybe have you as a guest host on the Vintage House Show too, because your, your question. Yeah, you know, next year, next year, we gonna we're gonna have a camera with both of them. We're gonna be interviewing them and trolling them the entire chosen few picnic to see what's really going on. I cuss too much. I and I say terrible things. <laughs> <laughs> that makes for good television. Later. <laughs> it makes for good television, Leah. It is. Uh, it was. It's remarkable television. Is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, there are. There are also many. But you know what? That's. I guess we have to. Yeah. How would we tell some of these stories? Because, yeah, you can't name names and and what have you. But man, there's just anything you do for thirty years and anything you do as a team, over thirty years, there's just going to be. A, there's been some behind scenes things that need to stay behind behind very behind the scenes well you know we got good <laughs> editors we can we can edit it out but uh what did you oh, sorry. well it's just that we've got good editors on our team oh okay yeah, well because we, i yeah i'm a i'm a cuss bucket so i'm just gonna just tell you that just, no. but in in addition to this year's uh festival we want to ensure that you get a chance to share the narrative of the logistics and the business um more than just the 72 hours before the show. So when we're back in studio, because we're normally broadcasting this show from WNUR studios in Evanston, we'd love to you know, figure out a way to, to have you on there as well. Um, maybe in the six month mark, right? As you're planning for 2021, because yeah. we're yeah. all praying that you know all will be better for us yeah. to be able to come together. Come uh, on, vaccine. Yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and so, Space you know, suits or whatever, because I, I think we can't go two years without meeting in person. So we've got to we've got to make sure that 2021 is, um, I'm praying hard that, that things will be better by then. And, and so <laughs> what, uh, just spend a, a moment talking about that decision. Uh, to go virtual because it was clearly a a tormentous decision, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, On one hand, on the other hand, you, uh, you know, the community that you love um, and and the the festival producers love uh, obviously is an important one and you did not want to put anyone in harm's way. So Mm -hmm. uh, not that we would have been able to have it, but, just share a little bit about was that process a collaborative one? Did you guys meet with city or state officials, or did you decide on your own? 
What did that look like? Lee, I'm going to let you do it because you wrote it really well. And she Aww. really... <laughs> Beautiful, yeah. I mean, it was. Go ahead and tell the story. Well, it was. Yeah, it was. I think torturous is a great. I mean, it was agonizing to make that decision. Um, But we, especially in the earlier days of of coronavirus, we we saw the numbers, and it's our people who are suffering so mightily, and we just knew that as much as we all need the gathering and the fellowship, we couldn't put our community at risk like that um and it was hard because you know we kept you know i think probably february march everybody's thinking but by summertime you know because summertime shy is so important for so many of us right we thought okay this will clear up but it became evident that it wasn't going to and so we started um talking with our partners at the city level and the state level and park district and you know, hearing from them and we are good citizens always. And so we, of course, are going to follow the directives that are put forth. Um, But we knew even before talking with them, I think in our heart of hearts, we knew even before we formally made the the statement that we were going to have to um, postpone gathering together to celebrate our 30th year anniversary, which is, is this year. And that that was that was tough because we knew that it was going to disappoint a lot of people. It, this also is a business concern. It's it's something that grew from a family picnic, a family reunion, to you know it's it's a major festival. Um, whether or not some 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 entities noticed that or acknowledged that, it's still a big deal. And um, it it's an it's an economic engine. I I'm very proud to be a black owned business that is a vendor of the chosen few DJs and their event. And there are a lot, you know, our security company and, and our caterers mm-hmm. and other folks, we, you know, we, we live off of this. This is important to our um, economic viability as a community. And so to, to choose to not meet in person was, was uh, a really momentous decision and we didn't take it lightly. And um, there were probably some tears shed here and there, um, but we knew, you know, safety is the most important thing. That's why, you know, as the, the event has grown over the years, that's why we have those fire lanes and we have all these porta potties and this and the other thing because, you know, good, good safety is one of those things that is not sexy to talk about or whatever. But we put a lot of thought and care into the safety and comfort of our guests and. Um, whether we meet in person or not, that's still paramount. So um, it was hard to make the decision, but it was the right thing to do. And we're just praying that 2021 is will allow us to, to meet in Jackson Park together again. Absolutely. Um, we concur it was the right decision. There's no question about it. Uh, Want to take us up and out on a high note. Since this is the Philosophical Grooves edition of Vintage House, we always ask, a question of a philosophical nature we try to get a a little well yes this is a surprise we did not pre-show or pre-produce this piece Uh we never do so it's uh you're not experiencing anything no one else has ever experienced and this one is fairly lighthearted because we want to end on a light note if you um know that in your response there is no right or wrong answer the question for each of you is if you were uh, to choose or to be a color, 
what would that color be and why? Like a color in the RGB scheme as opposed to color related to our societal constructs of race and ethnicity and all those things. What color on the spectrum would you be? Would you go first, Kim? What color are you? Um, you know, I'm going to say this real quick. Normally, I would say black because I love black and I love to wear black and I have on black. It's 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 my it's my it's my favorite color. Um, it's for abundance of reasons. One, it's very slimming, very flattering, <laughs> it's it's very. I think even though it's not bright, it's very powerful. To me, it makes a statement. Um, it shows some elegance and some, you know. So, I've always that that's that's the color that I gravitate to. Um, it, but and then my second color would be yellow because, again, to me that then that's that's just bright and happy and whatever. But the the color that I would say would 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 be black. Um, and not just because we are black, but just because. <laughs> um, you know, it's always been a, a staple color in, in, in my life. It, I feel comfortable in it um, and powerful in it. Um, and, you know, and ladies, if you're watching, if you have on a good pair of black pumps, you can, you know, you can rock the world. You know, you can <laughs> the pair of black stiletto pumps. You can do anything, anything. <laughs> so, I, you know, so that's where I'm going to leave it. Leah, go ahead. What is well, green is is my favorite color by far um, for lots of reasons. It's verdant. It just symbolizes fertility, the earth, growth. I grew up. I grew up um, with a lot of plants. A lot of plants have plants that are older than me. <laughs> well, actually, trees now that are older than me. Um, and I grew up under a, a tree canopy. Our house that I grew up in sits under a tree, tree canopy. So green is just it's prosperity it's health it's the earth um it's vegetables i know that's a weird one but yeah green is my favorite color by far and uh, as evidenced by one of my green cups it's also part of my sorority colors but that's actually i've loved green way before that and uh, yeah some so. of the best answers and i said it I preempted it and said there are no right or wrong, but you guys uh, knocked it out of the park. I am going to ask uh, our super duper producer and founder of the Vintage House Show, Lauren Lowry, to close us out. Ladies, thank you all so much. This was one of our more important shows. The business of house is so important to us, understanding how a lot of people come to these events and just enjoy themselves and never think about the hard work that is put in and uh, I think anyone, people like us know the kind of work that you all do and we've seen how the Chosen Few picnic has evolved over the years and we know it doesn't evolve on its own. People like you all continue to make the engine work. You know, I, I want to just throw in one more thing. I was listening and enjoyed all the conversation but I, I always want to think about sort of the future of this um, this powerful um festival that you all run this is power there's a lot of power in what you all do with the amount of people that come the type of marketing and all those other things you do how do you see the the chosen few evolving in the future how do you see marketing and programming 
How do you see those things moving forward, 2021, 2022? Where do you see it, 2025, 2030? Yikes. <laughs> I'm say, it's been a running joke, you know, because, you know, as, as every year, you know, we, we are not spring chickens. We've been doing this for 30 years. And so as we, you, you know, we've been, think, I don't have any kids, but, you know, they've been, you know, the other DJs and, and family bring their kids. And I'm like, good, because we need, you know, because, you know, I see us walking up these stairs to the stage. I'm like, we're moving kind of slow, y'all. We, you, know, you know, you got these, you know, they've got on headphones and you're talking, huh, I can't hear you. And I laugh, I'm like, you know, how, how, we, how long are we going to do this and be cute? You know, <laughs> when are we going to stop being cute? Because um, when we stop being cute, I don't, I, I don't know. Um, but, you know, we've always kept, and I, I'm just going to say this, we've always kept going because we just felt like we couldn't stop. Um, Alan always says that we are a victim of our own success and, you know, and we, we just couldn't stop. And it brings so much joy to the community and the house community um, that we always feel like, you know, we just have to keep going. Um, so when you ask me what are we going to look like in, 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 in five years, um, you know, at this moment, I would say that, you know, we're, we're we're still uh, going to keep going until until we can't go anymore. And um, you know, some days I wish somebody would swoop in and you know, in my fairy tale dream, and purchase the chosen few picnic, and it becomes this you know whatever, or that it it blossoms out into different cities, and that you know we can you know have that kind of epic growth where you know we're doing this you know in in other states, and you know these are visions and dreams, and you know I mean. They have the skills. We've got great DJs, and you know. So when I think about things, um, but then usually, you know, you ask me that now. Um, if you ask me that, probably the night uh, Saturday night after the virtual picnic is over, I'd be like, "Well, no, uh, it's over today." <laughs> when one of the, you know, you were going to ask me what's my favorite part of the picnic, and I was telling Leah before we started, you know, rolling, is that my favorite part is the end like you know we work so hard but when yeah. it's over and it's put to bed i just uh, yes breathe. it's just like get it another one yeah and mm -hmm. let's take a nap you mm -hmm. know? <laughs> so yeah lauren that's kind of what i think huh oh should should i answer or I think Kim said it, but I, I, I don't. I mean, I I would like to see us do some growth and expansion, and and I I would like to see, even though I you know seventy two hours out right now, I'm exhausted from you know this year stuff. But I think that um, whether it's this particular team of folks who have brought it this far, or we expand that and and bring on other partners, um, I think it's. Important to have these um, celebratory moments in our lives and in this particular moment um, of our country, of our world. And I'd love to see a chosen few South Africa or a chosen few um, Senegal or Ghana or you know something like that would be, I think, super dope. And as a again, as a, a black business owner who has. Um, you know, I have a consultancy and working with the chosen few, they're one of several clients of mine, but I've seen their growth and it's helped my business grow. And I'd like to see more, I'd like to see us build more economies for ourselves. Um, 
we don't have to go begging. We have both the talent. We just haven't had the capital as festival, and not just our festival, but other Black-led and Black-run festivals and events like uh, with the Broccoli City and other things like that in other places. Um, I think all of us are challenged by the, the, the economics of it. Um, and it, I, I don't know how that would, how some unifying force would, would kind of bring us all together to increase our purchasing power or whatever else, but or spawn our own production companies. You know, we utilize, yes, we utilize others um, that, you know, we don't control those companies. We don't control how they do things. And I would love to see us um, seed our own production company, not just to, to work the chosen, you know, to, to, to produce the Chosen Few Festival, but others. I think we have more than enough talent in our, our own backyards to, to be able to do that. Now, how that's going to get done, I do not know. But I would love to see this be something that um, the, you know, the, the, the young Cameron Hatchets and the Thai Hunters of the world, maybe they are the, the, the next DJs, but maybe, you know, the Harper Acox and the Hendrix Acox, my children, maybe they are the marketing gurus behind the, a, a worldwide festival. I don't know, but I, I'm hoping that the young people um, are seeing this and taking note and taking inspiration and deciding what, how, how the chosen few is going to look for them. Um, in 20 years, but I think it's important to keep the music and the culture going. Train them in the way they should go, right? Yes. Yes, so, and I, yeah, someone actually, and I'll shut up after this, but one of my favorite shots ever, um, it's a still photo of Ty Hunter, Terry Hunter's youngest son, looking up like this at DJ Alicia while she's DJing, and it's such a powerful moment of um, first of all, you know, this beautiful black boy looking at this beautiful black woman doing her thing, but it, it just, that, that image just transmits so much. And I think it's so important for us to keep that image in mind of the young, um, watching the older and the older teaching the younger, but also like there there's needs to be a passing of the baton, um, mm-hmm. in, in a way that I think we're still working out as a house community. So, please repost that. We'd love to to share oh, that. that oh, okay. Ooh, Lord, I gotta find it. Ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's just, it's you know, it's a great. Although I'm sure Ty is like, I'm a young man now, Leah. So I don't want <laughs> you showing that. But it's just a, it's a great shot. Um, I think there's also a great shot of him looking at his father DJ, which is, and that, that that's one thing I think a lot of people who've been to the picnic, I don't know if they notice this, but sometimes the people change on the stage. It's because the DJs bring their families up to, to, to be with them while they're playing. And I think that, that even though sometimes the stage gets very crowded, I think that's a really cool feature of our event that you don't see other places where, you know, whether it's Jesse and his nieces or Mike Dunn and his, you know, his family, but his crew of dancers who have been with him, you know, who follow him from place to place, or, um, you know, Alan and his daughters and his wife and all, you know, it's just, it's beautiful to, to see the intergenerational aspect of, of that and seeing it out in the crowd too with people and their kids. Happy 30th anniversary to the Chosen Few Picnic and Festival. Leah Acox, Leah Franklin Acox, Kim Parham, KP, we are 
thrilled to have had you with us again days before the first ever virtual Chosen Few picnic. We'll be tuned in noon to 9 p.m. on ChosenFewDJs.com and everywhere that you can um, connect with the Chosen Few DJs. We really appreciate the time. We'll re-air this show on the Vintage House page as well. Um, but we'll tune in and we'll see you in the comment section on Saturday. Unless yep. there is a virtual VIP or media tent that, <laughs> that uh, we need to know about all now. Access, baby. Okay. <laughs> all right, all right. We Thanks thank for you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Lauren. Thank you, Kevin. And I'm, again, thank you all for doing this week after yeah. week, month after month. This is so important to the culture, this show. And I appreciate you all for doing this. We appreciate you and those words. Um, tune in every Wednesday night. For those who may not know, we're here at 9 p.m. for the at-home edition of the Vintage House Show. And in the future as well, we don't know when, we'll be back on <laughs> air on 89.3 FM. You can also download any episodes you might have missed of the Vintage House Show on the vintagehouseshow.com. <laughs> Thank you again and get some rest and uh, uh, break a leg. Aww. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, guys. All right. Be well Bye. out there on the West Coast. Kim, hope to see you soon, too. All right. Everybody be safe and be well. Okay. Good night. Good night. Bye. Listen to Vintage House on Wednesdays at 10 p.m. on WNUR 89.3 FM, WNUR.org, Facebook Live, and VintageHouseShow.com.